This is a Suno India production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android app. Download it now from Google Play Store. Welcome everyone to another episode of Beyond Charminar. Um so for this episode um I have actually my friend and also co-founder of Suno India the platform uh, which hosts our podcast Rakesh Rakesh, Rakesh Kamal hi Rakesh hello um so yeah so this month actually uh, you know after a lot of thought I realized that there's one particular issue especially politically now that uh, elections in Telangana are just about uh, elections the state elections are just one year away and yes 17 september this year also there was a lot of noise and we all uh, i'm sure people un- uh, could sense and also see and also listen uh, to all the political action in the city amit shah the union minister was here other bjp leaders were also here and uh, there was a lot there were a lot of big public speeches the okay, the the ruling trs government was observing uh, telangana integration day uh, and ksr had his had his own speech and there was a lot of there was a, there was a lot of there was a lot of political activity all around september 17th which is basically the date uh, on which in 1948 the erstwhile princely state of hyderabad was annexed to india through something called operation polo which is nothing but a a military uh, action against the or you can say a military a military i guess the word would be operation against the state because the last nizam of hyderabad essentially in uh, 1947 refused to join india along with a bunch of other princely states as well hyderabad was one of the states that was annexed to india after independence or after the british left and bjp i think is planning to celebrate it for the whole year right yeah so there's a one year long uh, well they calling it celebration or they calling it telangana liberation day which is actually nothing it's a little bit it's a little misleading and also an oversimplification of the entire episode because um well for those of you who have been listening to suno india and whatever we've done on on operation polo you know that uh well to sum it up the state the hyderabad state was annexed to india on september 17 1948 but the opera, but what we call operation polo continued for another th- or you can say the army indian army essentially stayed back in telangana for another 3 years because the communist party of india was essentially leading a peasant uprising against feudal landlords in the state so that and that and in all of that the word that we constantly hear is something called razakars so this is the word that the right wing and the bjp specifically is using these days it there's a lot of uh, political and also religious connotation to it so yeah i mean there's a lot of talk on razakars right lately um, can you like explain a little bit more about who these razakars are and what yeah so it's a little complicated than just a simple word the word razakars actually stands for uh, volunteer in urdu ante but uh, the thing is you have to like really wind back by i think nearly a century to understand how, why it came to something called the razakars basically to put it very simply uh, this to give you know to people who are new especially to give you a brief 
um the hyderabad state under the last nizam so india i think had roughly about 560 plus or 560 something uh, 560 odd you can say princely states some were small some were big one of the largest two of the largest ones were jammu kashmir and hyderabad jammu kashmir was a muslim majority state with a hindu ruler maharaja hari singh was the last king hyderabad was a reverse muslim king with about 12 10 or 12% of muslims and 85 or 85 some 85 or 84% of uh, hindus so it was the exact opposite in 1947 the state had about 82698 square miles of area making uh, with 16 districts eight of which were in telangana five in maharashtra three in karnataka so this was the state and uh, see the thing is lot of people don't understand the whole relationship with the british and the princely states the princely states pretty much were semi independent and doing whatever they wanted to but they were functioning under the british crown that's why these guys were not kings mm-hmm. that's why they were called princely states and what the british so what happens in 1947 what the british do is that they when they leave their they were like the agreement that we have the paramount the agreement that they have with these princely states they don't say that it gets transferred to the new indian government to jawaharlal nehru and mm-hmm. his cabinet they say that the paramountcy with the british crown has lapsed or it's gotten yeah. done that's why they say that these princely states can either join india pakistan or they can be independent that is where the whole problem <laughs> comes now to wind up a little back what happens is if you uh so i don't see generally in a semi independent state in a monarchy you don't expect a lot of political activity because it's mostly banned because it is a it's still a, it's run by king right yeah so that now what happens is i think there was a little bit of sync with hyderabad and the rest of the country it's you know people from hyderabad were it's a it's a completely different place hyderabad basically after 1911 1912 starts getting transformed into a slightly more modern capital mm-hmm. and everything but what the underlying thing is that telangana in the hyderabad which was part of the hyderabad state was one of the worst Uh, affected areas with you mean the rural states feudal oppression that was ha uh, rural areas basically the rural areas were run by feudal run through mm-hmm. or run with feudal oppression that was mainly run by tax collectors called jagirdars the jagirdars basically had deshmukhs who were the people who collected the tax it was a pretty forceful mm-hmm. revenue collecting system now what happens after that is uh, in the 1920s you if you look at the country hyderabad state under the british was pretty much they were okay with it because they were also allies of the crown of the british crown so you start seeing some political activity and in 1927 you have one guy named mahmud nawaz jang in hyderabad who forms this party called mm-hmm. majlis e ittehadul muslimin mim which was he was a government he was a retired government official and he originally founded the mim as a social Or as a socio-political organization, which basically I think it, it was not meant to be an entirely uh, purely political organization. But eventually, what happens is, ha, huh, like it, it's you're still under a king, right? So yeah. what happens is eventually 1920, 1930s, it gets taken over by somebody called Bahadur Yar Jang. So Bahadur yeah. Yar Jang was essentially a very powerful orator who was in more in tune with all the. Uh, With, with all the globe see with 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 the with the indian see back then there was no pakistan right so but he was he was yeah. he was pretty much in sync with the rest of the muslim 
world and he was good friend with jinna and uh, bahadur yarjang was a very powerful orator who definitely changed a lot uh, a lot of how the mim functioned now to give people an understanding you need to figure, know note couple of things here hyderabad more than the hindu mahasabha and anything else had a very strong arya samaj organization here mm-hmm. from the hindu side okay and mm-hmm. the congress the state congress comes to be formed only in 1938 so basically until then it was very mm-hmm. like congress was not really a big force like it was congress was still not as big as the cpi so what happens is at the same time simultaneously you in the 1920s 30s there are a lot of political things happening like even in the 1920s 30s you have a lot of student and other progressive organizations that get formed people even back then were looking at uh, global organizations and movements and things that's why hyderabad also had its own uh, progressive movement which had its own progressive people mm-hmm. also and at the same yeah. time you had the mim and then you had the arya samaj and then you had all of these things functioning under the monarchy and in 1930s i believe there was something a proposal had been formed to form something called the nizams league or something like that that goes it goes out of the window very soon it does not even become a thing as in nizams army not army re this is like basically people wanting some kind of democratic change but will they okay. were they were not willing to they were not saying we'll overthrow the nizam they were like we'll work under uh-huh. you please let us do this please like that kind That's of stuff like how it is in british yeah nizam. exactly so but the thing is the it was still not allowed so the person who wrote it mm-hmm. had written it under a different name and there was a book That's published right. called withar w i t h e r hyderabad withar hyderabad by abid hasan and uh, apparently mm-hmm. that whole idea of nizams league and all that just gets thrown out like very soon so this is all the background of what is happening you know in hyderabad it is uh, at the same time you also have a lot of people telugu people from telangana who yeah. are in touch with people from andhra they very they see in mm-hmm. telangana it is a very very clear and obvious situation that the region was a lot more exploited it was, it was a lot more exploited and it didn't have access to education as much as andhra uh, because andhra yeah. was a lot more uh, i would say it was not it was decentralized because you know see other other districts like say machlipatnam ongol yeah. or even other parts of coastal and the rural seema had more access to i would mm-hmm. say english education than say hyderabad so in the hyderabad mm-hmm. state mm-hmm. the official language for a long time was persian in the late 1800 it becomes urdu so that also mm-hmm. eventually puts them at a disadvantage and also because of the whole urdu yeah. thing telangana's telugu literature is very less compared to andhra so yeah. you have that so like in in andhra pradesh you have something called the andhra mahasabha that is formed as like a yeah. uh, blanket organization for everybody like congress cpi everyone comes together to form this andhra mahasabha andhra mahasabha mm. eventually gets taken over by the cpi fully in the sense that its leaders become very very active and they kind of you know take it over so mm-hmm. this is one this is so basically on the by the 1930s the andhra sabha is formed no i'm sorry by the 90s no, sorry my bad by the 1930 the andhra mahasabha starts getting very very active you have the nine, by 1930 you have the state congress and then by the 1930s you also have people joining the cpi you have C- communist party also but mm. um the cpi and the congress eventually get banned by the hyderabad state government and mm. uh, yeah so the, the hindu mahasabha does not get banned eventually like sorry initially and the mim is of course let it be so what happens here is that 
even though the nizam never really uh, i would say gave his blessing formally to the mim or anything like that uh, <laughs> the mim eventually ends up becoming a very powerful political organization because bahadur yarjang sticks like see the thing is it is a very very it the it it ends up becoming a very communal organization at the end like i don't think mm-hmm. people who joined it entirely were not i'm not saying every single mim member was communal but if yeah. you like, for example now here is the main issue okay as far as mm-hmm. i see it essentially what happens under under bahadur yar jang is he is so this is i hope you got the whole uh, gist of it 1920s or 30s late 30s is when the state gets very politically charged okay mm-hmm. uh, but before that sometime before that in the 19, much much before that in 1930s bahadur yar jang basically changes the constitution of the mim in the hyderabad state to something called anal malik anal malik means we are the kings we are the kings essentially means that the muslims are supposed mm-hmm. to be the rulers and that the niz- mm-hmm. his, his theory essentially says that the nizam is also just a representative of the muslim power so kind of mm-hmm. undermining the nizam also mm-hmm. okay so this this is the, i think this is the thing that really changes everything the whole game like until mm-hmm. then i think it was not like this now this whole concept of anal malik and uh, uh how the mim functions changes now because now unfortunately in the middle of all of this garbad like by see by the early 1940s i think everybody got a sense that the new british were about yeah, to yeah. leave the high between india and all that right and the nizam yeah. was very very afraid of what would happen mm. this man wanted mm. to keep see the i'm not i would not be surprised if any king wanted to continue remaining as his, in his place but also we yeah. should understand that globally speaking the world was transitioning to democracy slowly slowly from yes. monarchies so i think taking that reality into account usman ali khan the last nizam probably should have made a contingency yes. plan just to make sure that you know in case he has to give up there should be a smooth way i and I, you know there were people who actually advised him to do that also so just to give you a much now we now we are getting to the razakar part so what has in the 19 40s there are two three five people important people you have the nizam usman ali khan his last military commander is a man named sayed ahmed aladrus you have diff- so here what happens is after so bahadur yar jang dies in 1944 bahadur yar jang mm-hmm. apparently the see the one rumor that has always stuck in hyderabad is that bahadur yar jang basically uh, was uh he he was he was poisoned to death some say he was poisoned mm-hmm. to death by the nizam because nizam he challenged the nizam's yeah. authority we don't know for mm-hmm. sure um, yeah. but some some say he just had a heart attack at a young age either way bahadur yar jang dies and for two years the mim is run by different people until in 1946 this man who kind of spoils pretty much a lot of things by, by the name kasim rizvi comes into the picture that yes. is where mim gets into a very different tangent i would say mm. now by mm. then you need to understand that the congress is banned the cpi is banned and mm. here uh apart from all this issue of of hyderabad state getting independent and the nizam being uh whatever uh in because of the feudal oppression in 1946 uh, in varpalakurti varangal is when the first ever revolt starts from Uh, a woman named chakali ailo chakali means dobi who basically revolts against uh, her landlord named uh, vishnuru ramchandra reddy ram vishnuru ramchandra reddy uh, basically owned about 40000 or ran about 40000 40000 acres of land 
the largest land holder i think in telangana was a man named uh, pratap reddy Pratap Reddy or Prakash Reddy, who apparently ran over, ran around 150,000 acres of land, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that is crazy. But but Vishnu Ramchandra Reddy was infamous for his uh, uh, mm. for his extreme operation. They were like very, very sad stories. Especially, uh, for example, apparently one fine day, uh, this apparently, one fine day there was apparently a uh uh there was a woman it seems who had just given birth and even 3 days mm-hmm. after childbirth he had made her work and mm-hmm. uh, the story is that because that woman was forced to work even 3 days afterwards uh her child died because she could not feed the child ha uh, so that then there there like a lot of lot of many many things are there apparently ha uh, apparently ramchandra reddy was so bad that people would not give their uh, would not get their people married into his village because they were mm. afraid of this fellow. So he's mm. very infamous. And mm. uh, that all eventually lead to the Telangana arms struggle in 1946, where you mm-hmm. have uh, Ram, where you have uh, Chakali Alamma who revolts against him. And mm. 1946 onwards, this starts like it starts in a way from what I've been told, yeah. Ram Chandra Reddy and his son were essentially shot dead by CPI activists oh, okay. Uh, okay. later. So mm. this continues for a while, and 1946 mm. is when this whole thing starts, and the CPI mm. starts the peasant rebellion from in Telangana, and that is opposed by the state, by the state government mm. or the army or the state police. And the other mm. important part of all of this is that the reason why the Hyderabad state was not capable of also putting down the peasant rebellion is because the state army was negligible compared because it the whole point of the nizam and the british being together is that the yeah. nizams in 1798 this, signed yeah. an agreement called the treaty of subsidiary alliance this treaty meant that british will provide army. yes that the ha that the nizam the original agreement was that the british would supply the nizams with six battalions of troops for 24 mm-hmm. lakhs this is a very different story we'll get back i think there is an older podcast on this for anyone who's interested in learning listening but what happens is uh the British in 1947, when they leave, they leave with everything, including their troops. And that is also the reason why the Nizams never actually, because they were always relying on the British, they don't actually have a yeah. proper army. I think it was about maybe around 15,000 semi-trained or trained or whatever people mm. it had. At the end of the day, the Nizams armies were basically not fully mm. equipped to either take on the peasant rebellion. In fact, Sayyid Ahmad al the last military commander in his book, even actually accepts that the CPI had a much stronger mm. network among its people to the point where they were able to, you know, themselves maintain law and order in the rural mm. areas. It was that strong. So this is the background of this whole thing. In 1946, when Qasim Rizvi, same year, takes over as the, as the Telangana yeah. struggle, is where trouble begins. Because this guy, by then, uh, the MIM also has a lot of influence yeah. in Hyderabad. So what happens is the Indian government in 19 so in 1946 all of this garbage starts and Kashmir then start drumming up support for Hyderabad, Azad, Hyderabad and all that. Even there are conversations he's had with people uh, in which are in books where he talks about things saying like you know Muslims are meant to be rulers. We can learn a lot from Hindus, but Hindus have been uh, ruled over by 800 years for a reason yeah. and things like that. Yeah, so like very wacky stuff yeah. and obviously very very communal yeah, in nature. So, Qasim Rizvi uh, was actually a lawyer basically mm-hmm. from Latur. He studied in Aligarh Muslim University and come back, comes mm-hmm. to Hyderabad. 
so in the mim this is what happens and he takes the mim to one mm. extreme and uh, the mim basically by then starts becoming very very influential and in 1947 when independence happens hyderabad usman ali khan obviously refuses yeah. to join india and that becomes a problem so because if you look at kashmir kashmir is still uh, on the border right with you know like with, it's like it's open like on one end you have pakistan one end you have uh, mm-hmm. india so un- unlike that uh, hyderabad was bang in the middle of india and obviously jawaharlal nehru and sardar vallabhbhai patel did not want to have another kashmir in here in the middle of india and here there was also no army kuch bhi nahi like this guys yeah exactly so you know it was a see i think nehru basically wanted to diplomatically try and solve the problem the indian government hmm. sent one man named uh, k m munshi to hyderabad um there's a lot of unnecessary garbage that happens in 1940 1947 november 29th is when the hyderabad government and indian government sign something called stand still agreement for a year to negotiate what to do mm. uh, kind mm-hmm. of the the terms and agreements were a little simple like not no, was was simple or more or less on the lines of what was happening in kashmir also like you know the government of india basically they, they were like you only handle defense rest of it will run by mm-hmm. ourselves obviously the indian government mm. didn't want that mm. they like so nizam all the indian essentially still wanted to have control ante that's basically yeah. his whole point now what happens here is in the middle of all of this they tell him thoda you have to have constitutional reforms and you have to like have something what we call a responsible government so mm. this responsible government ante nothing but a p- proper cabinet uh, ministers yeah. so the last so in between that last two years two three four prime prime ministers change very rapidly the the two people who are essentially fired or or essentially asked to vacate their seats because the mim does not like them are uh, one is called mohammad said he was i think mohammad said his name is but the, his, his official title is nawab of chatari from up this mm. they didn't like him because he and another person by the name sir mirza ismail were essentially both people who the mim thought were anti muslim or that you know they, they were like there's not mm-hmm. they didn't want them basically because they were on the they were on the side of logic they were like yeah. should just <laughs> should, should just negotiate with they, they basically told the same thing can negotiate with the indian government and you know join the indian union because they didn't they i think they in a way foresaw what would happen if you don't join and have like a very have a confrontation i think i think now it is easy also for me to say but i guess at that point of time for some i guess see the one of the reasons why also the hyderabad state in spite of its feudal operation also probably thought that it could be a separate country was because <coughs> it had some features for example between 1911 and 1948 under usman ali khan he does transform hyderabad to a very yeah. cap- modern capital like the state the city mm-hmm. gets a new airport in the i think the late yeah. in the late 30s or early for, for called deccan airways deccan airways basically functioned from the begumpet airport it had mm. its own postal stamp it had its own currency called halia or hali sikka uh, it had its own uh, high court the high court was built in 1919 two major hospitals yeah. were built usmania university was built yeah. so government city college all of this was built in a dam usman sagar himat sagar basically all of this infrastructure was built in about 30 40 years and the state had some features of a country but mm. you know the other argument here is that it was still functioning under the british crown it was yeah. not a fully yeah. independent country so yeah. this is a fairly uh, 
big debate as to whether it was a proper country or not when the British left or were these princely states then yes. countries or were they not countries because I think the logic here is that is when the British left they also didn't just run away right they trans they basically transferred power to the Indian government yeah. and they left so yeah. by that logic the, the 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 new Indian government should I mean it didn't make sense to be fairly honest like you have a you have a country which has been partitioned into and I think even in Pakistan also for example they had this problem like where not all princely states were ready to accede I mean if you think of it at that time I mean the uh, whoever was in power would have thought that acha mujhe mera country chahiye to ha so that's ex- exactly what it is that's basically the same exact thing uh so yeah i think junagadh for example acceded to pakistan but then you know that also happened that is also a weird uh, thing yeah junagadh is part of and then Gunagad. anyway yeah 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 and you know the, no one talk no one talks about yeah. that is hyderabad today which is very funny because for all the claim so there was this this claim made that hyderabad was also uh, the nizam also said he would join pakistan like this is claim that the nizam wanted to join pakistan but my point is mohammad ali jinnah put up this theory called uh, two nation theory by which he said hindus and muslims cannot be one and that they have their own separate countries which really kind of goes against the whole point of india's existence because india has always been a land of different people coming from different places so jinna by that logic his own logic of two nation theory cannot have a say here because yeah. it's a hindu majority state right so he has his pakistan there yeah. so i'm like ye kai ko bol raha idhar bol ke like he has no step pretty sure he knew he was a very smart yeah. man i'm pretty sure he was aware of it and jinna yeah. and the nizam did not get along by the way jinna was a good friend of hadurya uh, yeah. yeah, there's a very infamous story about the last nizam meeting mohammad ali jinna and apparently jinna sat with his legs crossed and uh, mm. apparently was smoking and usman ali khan got furious and shouted at him saying that is this how you sit, is this how you sit in front of a king and all that bull again it's i think there's a there's a there's one person who wrote about it and he wrote in his book that it seemed it, usman ali khan got so angry when jinna you know more or less mm. usman ali khan felt he disrespected him and then he shouted at him so much that the halls were filled with his voice or something like that mm. either way my point is that uh, if you leave out even if if you leave aside all of these small small things logically speaking hyderabad could not have been independent because it was in the middle of this bang big country called india now coming to the razakar so 1947 two major things happen uh, the cpi is arms the cpi is present uprising basically turns into an armed uprising when uh, cpi leaders ravinara and reddy magdum mohyuddin simbal ravinara reddy very interesting character he was a former congress guy initially congress guy then joined cpi uh, and i think at that point of time globally speaking the communist parties in the world were also you know i think these guys were all about revolution taking over and so a lot of the countries in the world saw them as a threat Hmm. even britain it did not look kindly at communists so uh, like even the even the cpi also was eventually split on how to do a lot of things but anyway coming to here 47 the, the leaders declared an armed uprising right and uh, the cpi from hmm. andhra also sends a lot of people to run the or to kind of head the armed struggle like, like people like basava punnaya Uh, sundaraya ch chandra rajeshwar rao all of these guys were from andhra who come to telangana to run the arms mm. 
it turns okay. into a armed uprising 1947 same year 1947 after independence kasim rizvi basically starts the razakars to fight for for i quote unquote independent hyderabad and he basically yeah. becomes very influential and powerful and lot of people say that the razakar kasim rizvi or the razakars basically controlled the government i think which to a certain extent is true because the nizam did not really have full control especially over razakars but again If you remember what I mentioned about the prime ministers, right? You had two people by the name mm-hmm. Sir Mirza Ismail and one more guy named uh, mm-hmm. Nawab of Chhatari. The last mm-hmm. person who was finally become who became the prime minister was a man named uh, Mir Laik Ali. Laik Ali was the last prime minister of the Hyderabad state, who was a friend of Jinnah, mm-hmm. who was brought back from Pakistan. He's from Hyderabad only. He was in Pakistan okay. in forty-seven, and then he was brought back here to work. and he was acceptable to the mim because they thought he'll be favor- favorable to them so in the last cabinet they made a, they, they basically have a mix of pro mim and and then balance the other half with the nizam's people so in the, in the cabinet mm. like the cabinet is basically half are muslims and or you can say half are mim people and half are the others from the nizam side so mm. and the razakars here is i think the way the problem starts um basically the razakars more or less have laikali's uh, approval like state sanction like it's not formal formal state sanction but it's like the razakars are functioning as a extended militia of the mim that's pretty much it and uh, a lot mm. of these razakars if you look at telangana I, i've interviewed so many people from so many years what i've been told very specifically regularly is that the razakars basically went around uh, uh terrorizing a lot of local people especially in telangana where mm-hmm. so the cp so here is a, the the big confusion in, in like i think in maharashtra and karnataka the razakars did mm-hmm. cause a lot of problems to a lot of people like maybe pro- mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. If, if people knew them personally they would not get harmed but they did go around looting they basically had a free hand in doing whatever mm-hmm. the hell they wanted and also a lot of people were also politically affiliated right there were congress yeah. people there were cpi like and there were basically anybody who was anti hyderabad being independent was a target number 1 and then you add to mm-hmm. that the like the general communalism of partition of the whole india pakistan splitting i think yeah. that also kind of added yeah. weight to what they were doing and these guys were rich yeah they were rich and not all azakars were rich apparently a lot of they also a lot of dalits had at that time converted apparently to become azakars and very funny because they, many of them it seems converted just so that they could get some money and in, to the house so it's like out of a family of five only one guy would become a razakar and become muslim but the rest four would be hindu only so that has also apparently happening ha huh? okay. and then you had a lot of people who also went and became razakars just under the josh of you know saving hyderabad mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. like i met one man who mm-hmm. told me that apparently from his college from nizam college uh some people went and joined the razakars and they came back in two weeks after seeing the indian army so so many of them were like that only apparently yeah. all like teenagers and early 20s people ha nahi nahi ha they didn't have enough guns you don't know na exactly ha so they apparently kya hone wala have enough uh, uh apparently they didn't even have enough uh, arms to fight and that they were apparently running out this i know for sure like there are several accounts of people who i met who said things like they were just running around with sticks in their hands bolke so hmm. it is it seems from what we understand that the razakars were basically like a ragtag bunch of militia which went around mm. terrorizing or at least 
looting and basically indulging in a lot of general crime now how many years it did this one year only re hmm. so the so rajakas existed one year yeah yeah and also they definitely did target a lot of hindu families for sure because a hmm. lot of people i met see in, in telangana i think in telangana it was different because the cpi was having its armed rebellion right so hmm. they were basically organizing they were basically raiding police stations and they were killing landlords and they were taking landlords weapon and killing the landlords only with that so yeah. the in telangana you had it became a razakar versus communist thing one of the most mm. one of the better example examples of people getting assaulted or getting killed is that is something called the bairan palli massacre which i think in varangal district where i think nearly 100 or more people were shot to death by the razakars and the state police in a face off it's like a it's like they they basically revolted or they did not listen to the police or the government and then it turned mm-hmm. into a proper massacre so it's uh, something pretty pretty bad like and it the point is in telangana you very specifically have the communists who are fighting with the razakars that mm-hmm. is no but something that nobody seems to be bringing, bringing up like in telangana yeah. it is the razakars and also there were some like i met one man the other day uh, he was living in secunderabad when he was a child apparently he said that you know uh, he was like uh, he was staying near the res- near the near clock tower regimental bazaar apparently he said you no know, mm-hmm. b- before he said before police action the razakars are roaming around with their lathis and their uh, in their military fatigues and he was like mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of the hindus from the area had left being scared of it and then mm-hmm. he was like after police action the muslims then left the area and hindus came and robbed some of the rich houses bolke so it's clear that there was intimidation by the razakars before operation polo and mm. then what eventually happens is that the government basically so this is where kasim rizvi's uh i think problematic politics comes into the picture where he kinds mm. of whipping up this hyderabadi nationalism to save hyderabad but in the process you have a lot of innocent people who are becoming victims Yeah. of razakar violence and mm. i think that is something probably the nizam should have addressed at that point of time but mm. again people say the nizam himself was a victim of kasim rizvi's politics so he didn't yeah. really have any control and mm. uh, yeah most of the most of the work, like most of what i've heard from the cpi uh, like see i've interviewed people who are from different different parts of the state like karnataka maharashtra and telangana also in telangana the mm. very common thing i've heard especially from people in the khamam uh nalgona district is that it was a cpi only that was actively fighting against the razakars and yeah. it was not religious it was more of like a so apparently a lot of the landlords lot in, in telangana most of the landlords were reddies and velamas mm. and you had some very rich some i think about 10 to 15% probably were muslim landlords also but these muslim landlords mm. were mostly living in the city they didn't yeah, care about living in the ha they didn't care about living in districts so it, mm. it is the dominant caste hindus who were mostly living in the district like the reddies mm-hmm. primarily so mm-hmm. apparently a lot of the reddies also joined the razakars to save their land from the cpi so it it mm. became more complicated because of that mm. so unlike the normal hindu muslim binary where razakars are bad and uh, this is in that whole case so like ha uh, so that's what happened so uh, like there was razakar violence for sure i think there's no point of anyone denying it 
I think that is also one reason why probably the, you know the operation polo also took place because like Kasim Rizvi went goes to you know he goes to Delhi to talk to the Indian government he meets mm-hmm. apparently met Sardar Ballabai Patel also but nothing worked and then he there are his speeches his inflammatory speeches where he says yeah. things like हम लोग लाल किले पे आसफिया या निजाम का झंडा झंडा लहराएंगे yeah, obviously yeah. if you're going to make speeches like that then the government of India <laughs> is going to get threatened so that is one half of the whole story the other half is the CPI the thing is by 1947 48 i think the cpi pretty much took control of most of rural telangana i don't think even the razakars or the mim had enough people to come and counter them like mm-hmm. i'm talking about like what uh, the telangana had about 44% of the entire state okay mm-hmm. out of case and of i think 50 sorry my bad yeah and out of that i'm talking about if you exclude hyderabad city also like a good chunk of the population was pro cpi at that point of time mm-hmm. like the cpi was the most powerful party in telangana and mm. it, it was a popular support also it enjoyed among people so i yeah. don't think anybody except we except in hyderabad among those who thought that hyderabad should have been independent the razakars anybody because even in the cpi you had so many muslims like magdum moyuddin jawad rizvi alam kundri mm. you had so many muslims also who joined cpi as well cpi was that popular mm. in fact when because the cpi was banned no in 1940 there was this uh, body called the comrades association of hyderabad that was set up comrades association of hyderabad's founders i think three or four of them were actually muslim so mm. yeah so if the, if there were razakars and mim you had muslims on the other side also and then yeah. you had muslims in the congress and a lot of the mm. mim people did not like the congress muslims because they were like you are a desh drohi so <laughs> it was complicated like that so yeah. a lot of the muslims who were in congress basically eventually got rewarded after operation polo mm. right you got the point right yeah, because yeah. they were in congress on the starting so yeah. they kind of reap the benefit of that also <laughs> so that so what happens in 1947 this whole razakar thing continues for a whole year 48 and as you all know september 13th is when the indian army sent it's uh, sorry indian government sent its army i think it mm-hmm. takes them about five less than five days because the hyderabad state army and the razakars both put, put together basically was nothing you can't mm-hmm. fight an army that is trained in world war 1 world war 2 to mm-hmm. come and fight <laughs> yeah. with this like i'm talking some people claim the razakars were 1 lakh in number and even in mm. fact so the the last prime minister likely also supplies the razakars with arms they were basically shooting mm. at tanks with their point 303 rifles really stupid ha <laughs> uh, so so razakars never also, went to the world wars no like yeah yeah Nizam... they were just random people really, like just people like you and me in, recruited to fight for azad hyderabad and all that they even tried to recruit women also into the war uh, yeah so it was it was Uh, a muslim which is it is a, it is a muslim run paramilitary militia that's for or whatever you want to call it and it was something that really damaged a lot of things so i think mm. they should have probably uh the nizam also should have probably done something i think that is where a lot of the things got messed up and the indian army eventually came september 17th it uh, took over after Hyderabad state army's commander Eladru surrendered to JN Choudhury from the Indian army and mm. uh, yes, I think the Razakars were immediately disbanded and banned and all of its members were arrested and things like that now mm. that is the whole point like and you also uh, I think this issue of who the Razakars were were was not addressed for a really really long time they should have it should have been done long back i think this is the problem if we don't like 
see i think operation polo is also today remembered in a it's, it is not a it cannot be a celebration it is a sad day for everybody because yeah. state had to be annexed forcefully uh, razakars caused trouble and then the afghan indian army came you basically had a lot of communal violence especially in marathwada and karnataka against muslims mm. i think probably my understanding is that um it is a mix of partition trauma violence plus you also have uh, uh, a lot of people i think were also unhappy under the nizams especially with the razakars the kind of met one yeah one marwadi gentleman from uh, gulbarga oh no, i met one i met one old man from maharashtra like from the who was on the who lives on, in adilabad okay so he said something like you know razakars and they came that came and stole so many of our things that took away our property they even apparently picked, picked up women also and left bolge and he was mm-hmm. like when he said like when the after the indian army came on on all the razakars and muslims ran away this this is a marathi brahmin he was like i also in that josh went and stole stole things from muslim shops and everything so this mm-hmm. man who is 1993 94 now he said mm-hmm. that his father was a school teacher under the nizam and he was like after i stole he was like when i was a child i used to love one watch i used to see in the shop of a muslim man regularly mm-hmm. but he was like obviously i was a child so i could not buy it so he was like yeah. in that josh when my friend went and stole things i went and stole that watch and brought he was like i got and showed it to my dad saying look what i got today he was like mm-hmm. apparently he was like my dad thrashed me so much and then he was like later yeah. after things became better he said i was asked to like give it back and then he was like that, that muslim man whose shop i stole it from he was, he was like he never apparently he's like he never scolded me and in fact uh, you know he was like it just did not end badly for him so see i'm like i yeah. think this whole razakar thing kind of also whipped up some communal passions plus then you have partition i think it just resulted in a very bad uh, violence cycle and also then you had some you know you had a lot of targeted killings of muslims also especially after operation polo Mm. all of this is well recorded i don't have to you know go into it but i think this i this is something uh, what happens is eventually after 1948 september when the razakars are put down when the army is again then stationed in telangana specifically to hunt down the communist party of india members because they are all so the cpi does not call off the armed struggle it continues for another 3 years that's why the army is there but i think razakars get disbanded pretty soon like they're all mostly done um and i think one of the best books that captures about all of this whole issue is this book called october coup by mohammad haider who was the last uh, collector of usmanabad district for the hyderabad state so that mm. book is was one one of the books but it has a nice perspective on what happened and what people faced and things like that so yeah, yeah in, in fact there's a movie called razakars uh, also in marathi by the way i think it was mm. made in 2016 yeah yeah So now we've heard of a new movie called Razakar Files. I don't know what they're going to make. Yeah, but that's no, no, I read two, three movies coming on the same. Yeah, issue. so that's what's happening. But I, I think nobody is like everyone's. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like everyone's turning Razakar, Razakar, Razakar. But no one's actually t- talking about who they are, what they were. Yeah. Uh, for people who are interested, uh, the Kasim uh, Rizvi was arrested and jailed for about ten years. In fifty-seven, he was allowed to leave for Pakistan. that is when the mim people have a meeting and then they uh, decide to hand over the reins to a young lawyer who i'm not sure no sir not i'm not sure he's a lawyer but basically asaduddin oisi's grandfather abdul wahid oisi is eventually he like the party like he doesn't have any connection to the old mim but abdul mm-hmm. uh, wahid oisi basically gets the mim and then later it is recrystallized into all india mim and that's when it becomes it assimilates into the indian political system 
but that's what is the history of the razakar that is razakar is the reason why uh, the right wing also has a handle on politics and i think the state government mm. by not addressing the issue of september 17th or not at least acknowledging that something like that happened probably uh, uh, it eventually led to the right wing being able to control the narrative on this yeah. so uh, mim was like disbanded for over 10 years then and then we... yeah about roughly for 10 years wow in, in fact a, a researcher of mine a much of a researcher friend of mine told me something that uh, which when i was very surprised i I, mean, i can't i don't know i've not i've not done and checked this but what he said was that apparently when kasim rizvi was leaving a few a group from latur from maharashtra where he's from came and asked him not to leave and he said the group also basically had many hindus so i'm not sure why they didn't want him to leave mm. they are big so that, leaders right i mean you have following you have yeah possible i don't know so what i've been told one thing repeatedly is that razakar did definitely went around doing a lot of things including you know yeah. voting and all that but apparently wherever they you had contact directly with people personally they would not yeah. do anything to yeah. you so i'm not sure what what that is because i remember you know in uh, meeting one man who was a child from bhongir he was like we all had to leave because there was this this razakar who used to come and terrorize the whole village and loot all of our mm. stuff so it's definitely not rosy like i think a lot of what happened before police action or operation polo was not even well recorded in hyderabad mm-hmm. uh, so that yeah that is the that is the, those are the razakars mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately not addressing our past and historical incidents have led to all of this yeah. so that is the I think protest. if the you know communist party was strong enough they would have at least been able to give a counter narrative to it unfortunately uh, yeah they should have in fact uh, it is because of the cpi never claimed its own legacy itself is you know why you have a third part party coming in in which and saying that will obey will will lose and will do because the thing is cpi is the only party actually in telangana that can claim a legacy of the september 17 because they were the only ones in fact the cpi itself was fighting for the they were fighting for peasants mm. they were they were on the right side of history at that point <laughs> yes. of time so i mean yeah the cpi in fact i think they won about uh they they won about uh, 42 out of 77 seats and they won 9 9 out of 11 lok sabha seats in the mm. first election so it shows that they were popular yeah. so the cpi i think also well let it go i didn't i didn't claim its legacy and that's with this is where we have landed today it's great man i think i think that covers a lot of issues especially regarding rasakas yeah i mean uh, yeah for for people who are interested you can always go back to uh, the september editions of i think 2021 and 20 i think rakesh right yeah yeah, yeah. you can uh, listen to yeah. yeah you can listen to podcasts of of couple of people who are alive in 40 we'll put the links in the description also yes let's do that thank you chalo okay i hope you all uh, finally were able to at least to a certain extent understand the word razaka today so yeah i hope rakesh this is helpful if this helpful for you also <laughs> oh yeah definitely man it's very interesting yeah in fact uh, we also have one podcast on operation polo in telugu also what is the name rakesh for that oh, samacharam samiksha is the name of the podcast uh, i think we released just hmm. last uh, last week last couple of weeks back yeah i think around september 17th oh, yeah. only right it was yeah. Uh, yeah 
it was yeah we have uh, some uh, we have mr k srinivas from andhra jyoti a very senior journalist who gave his perspective on operation polo and uh, mm-hmm. on liberal on liberation day in telugu so if, if you if any of you guys if you want to listen to it in telugu or have a different perspective or if you know somebody from a family who will be interested in listening in telugu or for people who don't know english we can send them that link also yes will be in the description yes and we have an app also now finally yes finally suno india has a android app uh, yes. where you know people can comment comment under the episodes can be more interactive you can talk it will stay there so that people nice. can see nice awesome yeah yeah so i hope this is very helpful for all of you for understanding operation polo thank you all for listening off as always thank you for listening to this episode you can now listen to all our episodes on our android app download it now from google play store